You are listening to Believe, Strive, Achieve, Endurance Podcast with Diogo Custodio. If this is your first time listening, then thanks so much for coming. Get ready and enjoy the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Coaches on the Couch. And today we'll be covering the topic of what is the valuable coaching moments that we, as a bunch of coaches, have um, contributed to an athlete over the past year. And I'm delighted to be joined today by um, a panel of expert coaches. I've got um, Alan, uh, everyone recognises Alan's, uh, Alan's voice. Um, we've got Diego, who uh, helps obviously run the podcast. And then we're joined for the first time on one of our Coaches on the Couch podcast with uh, one of our new coaches, Denise, as well. So welcome, Denise and Alan and Diego. So today, as I said, we're talking about what is that kind of, what are we recognising as a valuable part um, that we're contributing to an athlete's experience through the year? And before we jumped on the recording, we, we always sat there talking about it, saying, well, actually, this is a really difficult topic to cover. We were all thinking it was going to be an easy one, sure there'll be an easy kind of answer. And actually it took quite a few layers to really get to the bottom, maybe we even haven't got to the bottom of what exactly is that kind of valuable addition to an athlete um, that we're adding. And I know um, we're going to cover a few different range of uh, areas, but um, Alan, you, you started off and actually you were like, well, I'm going to ask my athletes, which seems like a really obvious um, thing to do, but maybe not going into the details, but what were you noticing from the responses that you saw with the athletes in general? I just says what's meaningful to them. And I think the first thing to do is really like it's meaningful for them on an individual basis. And there's, there's a difference with the people you've worked with for longer or not so long. But I really think that in order to sort of frame this conversation, we need to, kind of talk about what valuable means to us so i don't know if diego or denise have any thoughts on what they you know what does it mean you know the question i've got written down is what is the most valuable bit of coaching you've done this year yeah i i thought about that initially and as uh, philip was saying i thought oh that can't be that hard and then when you start to think about it you absolutely come back to well what is valuable is it valuable for me or is it valuable for the athlete and what are we looking at is it something specific because you can talk about somebody's got faster in a bike ride or they've got faster in the pool that can be valuable but I think longer term you're looking at wider aspects so things like building relationships or um, developing positions where you can talk to each other very openly these things are maybe another way of looking at it yeah, I agree with uh, with Denise. Um, there are so many things we can look for that it's almost impossible for us to give a certain answer for this. It all depends on who we have uh, in front of us. And uh, as Denise said, is it important for me or important for the athletes? What does it matter most? Is it what the, the athlete thinks or what we think? But uh, the spectrum is, is quite big on this one. So it's a hard answer for us to give. So, so I was listening to a podcast the other day. I can't remember what it was to do with. I think it was uh, something financial or something or other, but valued in terms of most things is linked with scarcity. So, or there's a finite amount of it. 
So like gold is valuable because there's only so much of it, for example. And then, you know, only so many people can achieve a position in a race. So there's a value associated with that because only so many people can do it. You know, if if a thousand people enter a race, well, there's only three podium positions. So there's value associated with that. But what other things do we associate value with as coaches? Just generally. If you take that route, that conversation point around scarcity, yeah. um, I think a lot of people, a lot of coaches might say that the kind of the valuable part of coaching is that really positive environment relationship which comes from that good coach athlete relationship because that's actually quite hard to to find and you have to really nurture to get to so it probably takes longer to get to that point to put my hat in the, in the ring everyone else is yeah <laughs> yeah i'm just i'm kind of thinking about the the comment there around value being there's only three podium places out of say a thousand entrants yeah I take that absolutely but I think from an individual athlete perspective there's value in achieving the goals you set or overachieving on the goals you set so if you take the view that there are only three podium places and you're only going to be happy if you get one of those then 997 people in that race are not going to be very happy Sure. And so yet, my, my my point is not that that's the only thing. It's just as mm -hmm. that's one of the things. Like yeah. you know, it's if you if you say you've got a podium position, many people assume straight away that you've had a good race. Mm -hmm. yeah. But my answer would be much more generally be you know kind of what Diego is hinting at was whatever's meaningful and significant to the individual, and those things would massively vary person to person depending on their perspective. If someone's achieving uh, a distance race for the first time, then that's obviously a value. You know, they're finishing that in one piece and enjoying having enjoyed it. Um, I'd say that's a value for most people. It's funny that um, I just had a call today with an athlete um, who had a crap race uh, the past weekend. And after our, our call, he just said how good it was for him to have this call. Um, mm trying to overcome the disappointment he had on the race. So there was not a result, as we can say, for this race. But after that, the coaching relationship was good enough for him to find it quite useful to have someone try to help him out, um, overcome that uh, unsuccessful day. Yeah. And this was a very good thing in terms of coaching, um, helping someone out. And yeah. it was not a result, was not a... A target was just something that we discussed and was quite available for him. So, I think being someone who can help in that situation is definitely, um, I think, of value. I had an athlete who DNF this year, and the first person she said she messaged was me because she said, "You'll understand. You'll get it. You'll know what that means in terms of of how upsetting that is. Whereas, you know, there's a lot of your friends or your family are just kind of like, oh, that's a shame. Anyway, let's carry on, you know? Um, and so I think having that relationship where you can have that conversation and, and have that understanding of what that means to somebody, I think can really help too. Yeah, I've got the same. I've got, you know, I went through athletes before this, this conversation started and I've got that kind of thing written down five times, you know, but in different, respects you know speaking to an athlete after a crash um 
and just being in touch mm-hmm. frequently during you know they're not training they're going through appointments with consultants for surgery and it's just there's nothing gone you know the, the the training plan thing that we all talk about too much but being in touch via text message was blessing you know like another example uh you know an athlete who uh can be quite busy at times and just taking the initiative to ring them in the week before their Ironman to have like a a 20 minute conversation to put them in the right headspace or help to put them in the right headspace for their race like for me those are the things that I felt were like significant with those individuals mm-hmm. um, yeah I was kind of went through and I was trying to work out what the most valuable moments as it was it was I didn't quite go athlete by athlete but I actually looked over sort of within try training harder we keep a kind of a series of stats on our athletes performances it helps us sort of as coaches see how people are doing and ultimately helps the social media uh teams to send out things there and I was having a look at my my stats this year compared to last year and across the board it's actually if you look at it as Alan was talking about podiums or places or qualifications I, I'm doing worse than I've ever done <laughs> in in terms of those, those years I've had the same number of athletes racing but those numbers not coming out there and I do know a lot of athletes I coach have got their eyes on sort of that sharper performance um, end um, of things um, I do though have quite a few more personal best than previous years so I'm seeing kind of improvements and those little things along the way so there obviously there is an improvement there and I could was reflecting as like, well, yeah, but I have had some really good race results from athletes. You know, you're talking about, you know, exceeding the goals or, you know, smashing through goals and expecting something and managing their expectations and doing a lot better. And I was, and I was trying to think of it, nothing jumped out at me as, you know, something that's a really cool bit of coaching, which really helped that individual. Because it's almost, um, maybe it's an understanding or a misconception or a misunderstanding or whatever that kind of hitting goals or going through the process of getting faster better at whatever that is thing that they're trying to do is almost sort of an accepted thing that they want to do and so the value at least from my where I'm looking at it from a coach is well yeah obviously we're going to work on getting you faster but actually I'm more interested in the stuff which I wrote down after that was the real the stories where we were having a conversation with an athlete and they were kind of really pushing 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 and we just removed the foot off the accelerator and help them find a bit more balance in their life. You know, that was the bit which was really useful coaching because they could accept that they didn't need to do that hard effort. Or as Alan says, you know, you give that person a call and check in that they're okay, or they're having the conversations with surgeons. You know, those things there where you're kind of keeping everything in balance. For me, those were the points where I felt that was a really valuable bit of coaching, which I did um, to someone. And I and I think that's where that came because yes, you can pull out performances or numbers and everything else and instead of actually looking on, on it i've had a pretty bad season <laughs> i probably had more dnfs this year yeah, than but I, I don't i don't i don't think you necessarily have because like you said there about like going faster denise said about going further i've spent quite a bit of time going over this i've not written what i think or the feedback i've had from athletes neither i nor that nor them have said at any point gone faster, gone further, achieved yeah. a position. None of them, not one. They're all kind of more about how they got there because that's where the value is. That's where you really learn stuff. Mm-hmm. There's the icing on the cake bit at the end. I mean, that's kind of the, but it's kind of crazy, isn't it? Like if this is what we really value and that's what, as a coach, what I value 
and what the athletes really value. Why, like, I just want to go and, oh, just, it blows my mind. It frustrates the hell out of me. I just want to go and shout at the wall why everybody in the industry, athletes, commercial, high performance, we all just measure it all. I mean, I kind of get it with the Olympic Games, but we all look at and measure how we do with positions. I think, though, what I'm trying to say is that the position aspect of it is sort of almost an accepted part of the the journey, like that. Yeah, yeah, sure, but it's, yeah. perception is really important. Course, I think yeah, it, it's, it's, I'm just saying that's a given. Like, we're going to try and see, although clearly <laughs> this year maybe I've not had um, quite the uh, the same as previous times. But the point is that you know, I'm looking at the big picture, and, and I think you're saying the same thing. It's it's almost that that's fine. We're doing that anyway, but let's focus on how we can make you better in the other eighty percent of life. Um, and how can we bring balance to what you want to try and do? And by doing that, it may not be the quick route to success, um, but it might be a much more holistic and therefore probably longer term, more sustained direction yeah. towards sort of success or improvements or whatever that, as you say, externally validated perception is of uh, of um, value. I think it's. I'll just say that. Um, Analyzing the places where someone finishes a race is the easiest way for you to measure something, maybe. For sponsors, it's the easiest way for you to measure performance, but not for a coach, not for those who are really into the sport. You have so many things to look at, to analyze, and to give value to that maybe the place or the time itself is just the last thing we're going to check out. But for those who are not into this kind of business, it's the easiest way for you to to see like a success or a unsuccessful mm -hmm. athlete. That's a really valid point. Mm -hmm. what, what are we what are we measuring as value? Um, it's what it's what external people understand. But it's when you tip the balance from retaining control of what you want to do in internally and what's within your control. And you're focused on that. Whereas when you start to become overly influenced by external factors and what other people's goals are for you. So, mm -hmm. you know, when you're questioned and you start to get drawn into a conversation about what the outcome is going to be, where, you know, and then you're, you start to get drawn into assessing your own performance and what you value and how well you've done in terms of what those, what other people are kind of thinking for you. You know, it could be it could be the most significant person in your life, who, but they have their perception and things, and but, and you have yours. But if you get dragged into it, it'd be really hard to stay on task. But anyway, I'm we're drifting off topic as Philip warned me beforehand. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to ask I'm going to ask a question to put us back on track, and it's I'm going to say, if each of you could pick the one most valuable thing you've done this year. What would it be? I'm picking a really hard question myself, so I don't have to answer it. Nice, wise. Go on, Philip. You spoke first. So I was going to say, Diego, surely it's Diego. Go, let the Portuguese go first, or <laughs> no? I no, can no, go for it. It's fine. Um, okay, go then. I don't have a specific uh, answer to that one. Um, there, there have been so many moments during the season that I found quite uh, valuable. Some athletes just finished their first long distance race. An athlete just qualified for the world champs without even having this kind of uh, expectation. 
um, athletes just overcome a, a stressful situation. So there is not a specific answer I can give it to you that was the most valuable one. Um, most of my athletes have been quite successful in what they were achieving. So it's, it's, it's a hard answer to give you, if not impossible. Just, they have so, there have been so many moments and good moments um, that I can remember that it's, it's impossible for me to pick one. There's Portuguese politicians shaking in their boots. <laughs> Denise, do you have a better one? Um, I think it would be kind of easy to go, yeah, the swimmer who went open water swimming the second time and loved it after being really nervous the first time. That's a fantastic moment. But I think probably going back to this idea of the longer term and building that thinking around longer term and ownership of what you're doing, I think working with an athlete who's got a lot of other stuff going on in our life at the moment and having the conversations around the whole stress level. You know that we calculate TSS and training peaks, but that's just your training TSS. There's the whole life stress stuff. So, you know, if you're going to be, I don't know, changing work or moving house or starting relationships or whatever it is, having babies, whatever those things are in your life, and she hasn't been doing all of those, um, but those things are big blocks and training kind of, you've it, it's something that you still want to do, but you've got to remember if something like that is happening in your life, maybe you do need to just back off a little bit. Maybe it's okay to pull back just for a, a moment and let some other stuff take over and then work out how to fit it back in again. So I think, I think for me, that's probably been some of the most important conversations I've had this year. Shall I? I thought you might come back to me. Uh, <laughs> so I think, I think for me, if I was to pick out uh, one collective moment, it, it is uh, looking at how you're changing for the better someone's attitude or approach to life and it isn't necessarily one specific point in time but there's you know there's definitely three or four examples i can think of straight away with athletes who have been really working hard over the course of that time you know period of time to make some pretty big changes to how they approach training how they prepare for training how they fit training within their life and they're starting now to really see the benefits of that. But they're also starting to realize where they are in the journey and they're getting excited because they can see that they're actually really quite near the start of this amazing journey and they've made some pretty good gains already and they're looking forward to the next bit. And for me, that's, and there's, as I said, there's been three or four examples that I can think of straight up, but you know, three or four times, definitely this year, you've had conversations with people that are going, ah, oh, wow, that's really cool. I can see what I've done. I can see what I need to do. And this is really exciting because, you know, I, I, I have not, it's not just, Oh, I've got a bit faster, you know, going back to that point where I, you know, I, I wanted to run under 20 minutes for 5k. I did 1958. That's cool. I can go next time. I'll try and see if I can do 1930. It's not that same kind of direction. It's sort of almost opening a completely different door and they're like, Whoa, that's really cool. There's all this here, which I can, I can now do, but I'm in a really good place to try and make kind of real leaps forward rather than kind of chipping away, going a little bit faster, a bit further or whatever that might be. So for me, that those are sort of the, 
the points which I think is the, the most value to answer your question in a non-politician way, hopefully. Mine's kind of similar. Um, it's about removing the barriers and whatever that is. So like for a single person, you know, be it, you have enough conversation, you look at a swim, bike, run, you get to know them, you have a conversation and just listen to the way they speak and respond and behave in and around their training and racing and, you know, other aspects of life as well. And you get to know them. And after a while, you work out what the thing is that's blocking them. And, you know, I could give a few examples for, you know, and that's, those are the things that I've written down that are meaningful to me. And, and also from the answers I've had so far, also to the athletes. So I, I've written down recognizing what those are and either reducing, reframing, or removing those barriers. That, that's, you know, and hopefully that will lead to them making a, it's not even progress. Sometimes it's just in, enjoying it more. <clears throat> they, they might be doing exactly the same performances, but they're just having a much nicer time and enjoying it. You know, in the, in the case of one athlete, they actually decided not to do their race and to stop coaching and to step back. And I would highlight that as a point of success because they worked through some stuff that they needed work to work through and mm -hmm. they made a decision that they owned and they sort of felt strong and confident in doing, which is a bit of a messed up slash, you know, not necessarily messed up, but not expected way to answer what is the most valuable bit of coaching you've done this year to get someone to stop coaching yeah <laughs> and, and like over the course of you know a decade nearly a decade or so of coaching on a reasonably full-time basis I, yeah, I could give a couple of examples like that they're not common but they definitely happen yeah and i guess to sort of your point about reframe remove what was the last refit recognize you got you got yeah. to work out what's going on because otherwise you can't do anything with it you got you got to be able to be in an informed position or think you're informed and then you can either obviously you can really simply just reframe something i think that's probably the first option it's not quite what i said but i'll, I'll edit that i think you can just reframe it uh, and then you can either reduce it simplify it make it seem a little bit smaller or you can just get rid of it completely um so do we have any or you, or you can jump higher to jump over it i guess that would be i guess yeah, that i mean when you when you were speaking earlier i was in my mind i had an image of that you know the classic the glass ceiling and it's not about necessarily the glass ceiling stopping you from going higher but if you're doing something you always bang your head against the glass ceiling it's not going to be particularly enjoyable it's going to be quite uncomfortable um you might still be not able to jump any higher but by removing the glass ceiling it's just going to be more enjoyable jumping um it might mean you can jump higher but i kind of got that impression so you're not trapped in you kind of you you own it you you kind of have more uh, kind of with what you're trying to do uh thinking through that then is there anyone who's got any good case studies we don't have to we shouldn't mention names either but are there any good case studies of athletes whom you can think of where let me actually this is a really good example where I was working with this person they did this we had a conversation we did this and then we kind of helped move in, in a different direction or reframe something or, or whatever it might have been 
See, I get to ask the hard questions and that's great. Yeah. Well, I've got a few, but I don't want to dive in. Why don't you go uh, with the few then, Alan, or one or two, Alan, because uh, then that gives... Uh... I'll go with the first one that I wrote down because it springs to mind the most readily. But I think it's also because it's sometimes, for me, the things that crop up from my point of view are when they're a bit more uh, novel. Because like an exciting new experience as opposed yeah, to... Yeah, because then that makes them more meaningful to me because it's something new and you, you know, there's a bit more of a sense of, you know, obviousness to it or satisfaction that you, you've done something. Whereas sometimes I think as a coach, it can be difficult to recognise when you've, you've done something really simple, but it's made a really big difference to somebody. So one of the things that I wrote down was a general was getting athletes together. So obviously coach bike, uh, bike skills and transition skills sessions. Um, I've been at races alongside or watching athletes on multiple occasions this year, which has been really nice. And obviously coaching on a camp. And there's been breakthroughs in all of those situations. Sometimes when I've recognised them, sometimes when I've not. Um, in terms of the bigger picture, though, like say one example of something that was novel was... Um, an athlete who was away on a cycling camp with a cycling club and was trying to do the right thing, being aerobic, but was kind of struggling a little bit. Mid, and this was mid-camp to um, sort of find confidence. And my, my, my perspective on it was probably it's a bunch of cyclists. You know, there's a bit of willy-waving going on. They're probably trying to do the right thing. And... If, if the athlete actually pushed, they would probably be stronger than a lot of the athletes, but it was knocking their confidence. And so I basically told them to, to go and fight a big mountain and smash themselves up as hard as they could. But I added the extra carrot because I knew I was going to be in the same area that I would go and time trial up the same section of the mountain just to add an extra bit of spice and motivation. Because, you know, there's nothing like trying to beat somebody, you know, I get... I, blowing smoke up my own backside but somebody who you look up to in terms of like oh it'd be pretty cool if I beat them so I knew that would be the case so I said go on and I did it and well I got second place but then so that was a that was a cool thing to do and it was followed up with you know partly because the athlete had a shoulder injury and swimming wasn't that great got nothing to lose in a race that was coming up and I just standard distance I just told them to go and smash the bike and deal with the consequences afterwards which is not what you're going to read in a blog or 220 magazine in terms of how you should pace a race. But I wanted the athlete to get out of their comfort zone and see what they could do and stop. You know, the, the conversation could be around what's not gone well or something. And it's, sometimes it's just what you can learn from something and see, see what you can do. Um, and they actually found that they ran as well if not better off the back end of just giving it what what to them was full bore but it was probably just them going out of their comfort zone a little bit and just getting on with riding fast um well i kind of wrote that down that's one of the athletes that i've had feedback from uh and in their words learning just how much further the limits are than you potentially think and how much you can push yourself over different disciplines and distances when you step outside your comfort zone and how once you push down those more mental barriers once, it is then that bit easier to tap into that subsequent race or effort afterwards. So, 
does anyone else have a case study there for an example where we're we're helping them that athlete without reframing or or recognizing reframing removing I, mean, I wish I could say yes, but no. In 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 that example, I think it's reducing at the same time as giving them more ability to step over it. But let's go for a slightly different tack then, um, Diogo. I know we were speaking uh, briefly, kind of earlier, and you were saying, you know, I've got a good example of an athlete. You know, I think you did a really good job and qualified for Kona. Maybe if we look at that as a case study and and sort of recognise maybe why that doesn't cover the threshold of that really valuable bit of coaching, even though someone's qualified for Kona, which is the aim of a lot of people um, in the sport, you know, to get to the Ironman World Championships is a, is a big deal um, uh, for many people. And it's sort of meant to be one of the main things in the sport that people want to take it off and like a bucket list. So go on, why don't we, why don't we look at, explore that one and maybe discuss why it doesn't hit the threshold of being a kind of a really, you know, taking that box of being a valuable bit of coaching. First of all, this was not the main goal of the um, of the race he did. Well, that's pretty uh, answered already, actually, then, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so that was a bit of a surprise. Um, we had a bit of luck uh, on this one, of course. Um, but the thing is, the way he faced the race was with no expectations, uh, no pressure on it. We did a good job trying to manage um, an injury he had on his knee and... Uh, we were quite lucky to be fit enough to do an Ironman. And when we, well, when he went to the ceremony and he got the slot for Kona, he was like, well, should I go? Should I just forget about it? And that's the thing. Just It's an, an opportunity that you get in, in maybe once in your lifetime. So why not? Um, but because this, this was never on the plan for the season, uh, we never thought about it. So... I wouldn't say this was a valuable thing for me as a coach. Of course, it's important because we have someone qualifying for the world champs. But all the process we did to the, um, for the race that where he qualified was more important than the qualifying itself. And he's on his way to, to Kona now and just hope he has a, a great time over there. And we are not even thinking about any kind of specific results, just enjoy it as much as possible. And this guy is going to leave... I would say that most of the athletes dream sharing the house with some big names in the triathlon world. Uh, I'm jealous. I'm completely jealous. Um, but once again, the race itself is not even the big thing uh, on the plan. Just go there, have fun, take the best out of it um, because you don't know if you're going to be able to do it again. Um, that thing, I think that's the, the best advice I can give to someone that, that is in this kind of situation. But uh, the process itself, just because it was not on the plan, we never thought about it. Um, I know that some of, of us have athletes who are specific training, trying to qualify for Kona. And when they get the result, that's perfect. When they don't, it's quite so disappointing. But um, in this situation, it was not even planned. It was just happened. So what would have had to change to that story to, to make it kind of hit that threshold of a valuable bit of coaching? Oh, that's a hard one. Can, can I add as well, but could you, you know, because that question is very much on you, Diogo. Mm -hmm. It's coaching. It's nothing to do with the athlete. So it's kind of, you know, suggesting that all the responsibility lies on you. And I know that that's not the case. 
It's not experience. Yeah. So, would, like, if I add in, um, you know, would you, you know, could you, should you, would you have done anything differently yourself? Like, what was it? What was within your control? I wouldn't change anything. Um, the thing is, when we have an athlete, uh, when we work with an athlete for the first time, this was the first time I would work with him. Um, and you look at the numbers we had from previous uh, seasons, we never expect, well, the thing is change, things are changing in the Ironman world. That's the first thing. And those who are qualifying for Kona now are different from those who were qualifying a few years ago. Um, Kona is still a destiny that everyone wants to go there, but not as much as before. Um, and in this situation, the roll down was so, so big that he, he qualified, but still he has the merit to, to be there. Um, but I wouldn't put this kind of uh, pressure on him because this was not something that he had in his mind at all. Um, as I said before, it was a little bit of luck. Of course, you need to be there and you need to finish the race in order to be able to qualify for it. But still, um, I wouldn't be the one putting this kind of goal for now uh, on him. The main goal is just to finish the, the race where he qualified for in the best way possible. But we never had this kind of conversation in order to, let's try to qualify for the world champs. Um, was not in our mind, it was not on my mind at all. Um, but would it be fair for me to put this kind of pressure on an athlete that maybe is not uh, willing to, to do that? I think maybe the answer also lies a little bit with the idea that if, if this, this would have qualified more if it had opened the door to what else could be possible, whereas this is just a, a nice to have. So it's oh, that's cool. Mm. Um, but actually, it doesn't, it doesn't add any additional value to the athlete, apart from being able to go and see a pretty cool spectacle in terms of the World Championships in, in, uh, in Hawaii. But the actual the coaching part of it doesn't really um, match that. So what... What can an athlete listening to this conversation then glean from uh, that coach-athlete relationship? What can they try and take from this conversation and be like, well, actually, how do I make this more? How can I add more value to my coach-athlete relationship? How can I search for more value um, there? What, what else could they be thinking about and could they take away to apply themselves? We might jump in to Denise. Yeah, I was kind of thinking about that previous question as well in a slightly different way. Um, I'm thinking one of the aspects that I think has been of value to an athlete this year has been helping them to think about training not as an add-on to their life. So, you know, it's like I have all my life, now I have to try and fit training in. It's more about how can you create your life that accommodates your training? I don't know if that makes sense, but it's it's about how to develop your daily activities, your daily routine, the way you interact with friends, the things that you do. How can you try and make training part of that instead of it being another thing? And I think I would encourage all athletes to think about it like that is where I can. Everyone's busy. Everyone's got lots of other things that they need to do with their time. But if you need to go and do a two hour bike ride, can you do that with a partner? Can you do that with some friends so you can socialize at the same time? 
or can you do your hard bike ride and then meet a friend for another half hour afterwards? Can you go and do park run and really hammer yourself at that park run or do whatever you need to do for your training session and then meet friends for a coffee afterwards? You know, it's, it's trying to make it part of your world rather than something separate, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I've got feedback exactly the same, like from athletes and why, but... So I think finding enjoyment and joy in training and racing was with one athlete and their response is I've been able to find enjoyment again after maybe getting a bit too serious about my sport perhaps. Mm -hmm. uh, the major thing as well is that they've had the best life training balance I've ever had. Might be the structure, the reassurance, the coaching conversations, but equally could be slowing down and considering training a bit more holistically. Mm. What you've just said there, didn't you? Quality rather than quantity sometimes, yeah. yeah. And they've literally just messaged me, and I'll read this last sentence. Funny, isn't it? You go into coaching like, I want to get faster, and then realise that's not what you wanted or needed at all. That's a byproduct of all the other stuff. Nice. It's a pretty pretty good summary there, isn't it? Kind of was about to say exactly that. It's about creating an environment and a lifestyle which facilitates life that you want to live. And if that is training, that's training. Um, but if that's training with socializing or socializing with a bit of training on the side, it doesn't matter. You're just helping facilitate that for them. Mm -hmm. And if you're an Alistair Brownlee, you might be looking at how can I get super high performance as part of my lifestyle. Mm -hmm. If you're not Alistair Brownlee, it might be a, a slightly different focus in terms of what you're trying to do with the training and, and life and what you're willing to prioritize, I guess, in terms of your training or lifestyle. Um, so yeah, I like that, that quote. Um, but it was just a byproduct, Alan, of the of sourcing out all the other things in the on the way. Yeah, I, for, for me, I think sometimes one of the biggest factors I find with athletes is just trying to find what they really want to do. And I have a lot of conversations about what would be meaningful to you. I mean, there's a lot of distraction and noise. And like one of the, another piece of feedback was um, guidance on where to direct focus which numbers or areas or you know any kind of thing are worth worrying about and what is a distraction just trying to focus on what they really do it's really simple with, with some athletes they're really clear on what they want to do they they have a they it's very much what they want to do it's very personal it's not influenced or directed or misdirected by anybody else but themselves mm -hmm. um and that you know with those athletes is often just putting a, a strong process into place and i found that some of the most valuable things that I've done this year is just putting experiences into place for athletes asking them to do certain time trials that they've never done before be it in training or out on the bike in competition and just uh so what was this creating opportunities to test new things and gain experience to provide more to fall back on for race day I just, yeah, I just know from like working with people and generally in personal experience as well. And also, you know, people we observe, you know, I know that everybody in this conversation in a race, if something went wrong, they probably experienced something like it before and would respond to it quite well. Whereas if you've got a complete novice athlete, they don't have the, uh, the experience collectively that we all, we all have then they're not as likely to respond or manage it well. And I just think that that's a really valuable thing to put into athletes' plans, to try to, try to deliberately create that experience for them. And get people to think about what if. Yeah. So what if 
I get a puncture halfway through a race? What if I take a panic attack in water? What am I going to do when that happens or if that happens? It just helps you. I think it helps you feel a little more in control yeah, of the situation. So, or, or deliberately asking them to do it. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, like with the the, uh, the cycling athlete that I spoke about earlier, I can well imagine that a lot of the bike leg was spent, what if I blow up? Well, mm-hmm. go and try and blow yourself up. Mm-hmm. Delib- very deliberately going, you know, if, you, if you're constantly questioning these kind of things and worrying about them, Mm-hmm. do something you know do something take some action and go and find out yeah. you know obviously that you know riding across glass in order to deliberately puncture is probably not that necessary but you know the, but knowing that you can change a puncture if yeah, you yeah have, exactly that yeah. sort of thing practice it if you need to if you can't yeah. do it yeah so it's and, I, and I, that that kind of idea of creating experience to look not necessarily to learn from mistakes but to learn from the different ends of the spectrum so pacing you could you could go really easy or you could go really hard you know you could start a swim really hard or start a swim really slow and it's not just pacing there's all sorts of different you know distances of races like one of the one of the younger guys that i worked with this year did really well over an ironman he just did a sprint distance last weekend to kind of end his triathlon season to to gather some experience at the other end of the spectrum as well but that's that's kind of athletes but making mistakes. The other thing that I wrote down was like things that I've learned and mistakes that I've made. Those have been valuable. Like it's value to valuable to me that the athletes have been through those experiences because it's helped me. And then like there, there's a couple of examples where well, one specific example where literally the next week I put it into place with two other athletes and but yeah, I, I told the athlete as well, like thanks for your experience last weekend. I've helped somebody else out this weekend because of that. That's the benefit of 2020 hindsight. And uh, unfortunately, you know, someone's going to do it so that they'll repay the favour another time. Yeah. I think that's another conversation we're having. That's, yeah, I think that's well. a conversation we're going to have with our yeah, coached athletes next, uh, next week. Excellent. Well, I think um, there's been some really interesting uh, points around the conversation. And I think there's some good takeaways there that athletes can... Um, can use themselves and maybe this um, this conversation started to spawn some thoughts or ideas around your own coach athlete relationship that you've got or if you don't have one it's something which you may actually be thinking there's there is actually the value it's more than just sort of a training plan to sort of see um, what coaching looks like so obviously we're all here to to answer any questions or uh, help athletes um, along the way if there's anything there which you want to to talk about drop us a line we're very happy to to work with athletes and new athletes as well and if you are a coached athlete or either by us or otherwise then you know there's an opportunity to audit that relationship and what what can be done to make it stronger and, and maybe maybe kind of removing the focus away from training and into the bigger picture with the coach might be a really positive way to to move that relationship forwards into the next Know, more valuable inverted commas experience you might have so uh, thank you very much to to you all diego denise and alan for your time and uh, look forward to catching up with you all next time yeah. oh. bye everyone bye the believe strive achieve podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment and show notes are found at trytrainingharder.com
Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Try Training Harder. Thanks for listening.